0: So anyways, getting back to, so Dr. Miranda, he was, he was a significant figure in Boston. And like Sean said, his, um, his funeral had many, many people and a lot of pastors from New England because he was such, he was such a, a voice and a father. And I know he's been such a father in our lives. I mean, I still remember some of the significant words that he's given us um, now. So it feels, it feels very raw, but there was some really s- special things that we saw. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is his influence was so powerful in New England, the mayor of Boston was at his funeral and listened to the message. Um, I mean, this this is what I'm saying. This is the kind of pillar that he's been in the community. And I want to share a few things because he's left a legacy for us. And then I want to talk about the prophetic significance of what God's doing in this season. But... One of the things they described. this is from the, the service, the message that was given in his service. Um, they began to talk about Dr. Miranda as a man of tensions, and it was so true because that's what we know of him, but he was a man that walked between the tensions of anointing and intelligence, and he, was, he had a PhD he, he, from one of the most prestigious, you know, I think it was either Harvard or Yale. Um, prestigious prestigious degree but he was a man that loved the moves of the holy spirit and and He loved seeing the Holy Spirit move in in crazy ways. He wasn't afraid of the charismatic community. He actually stood and led the charismatic community with wisdom and and knowledge, balancing those two places of tension that were um, unbelievable to see someone navigate. And I know we had the experience at the 20-year, you guys got to hear him speak and see some of the navigation and brilliance of navigating those tensions between those two things and the next thing was, um, there were, well, they talked about excellence and frugality, and um, because he always liked to deal, but he was such a man of excellence, he literally built a church on a whole city block of Boston for half the cost of what it should have cost, a tenth of the cost, um, because he was a man that believed that if it, that you you work hard and then you trust the spirit, and that was the next tension that it was a, that the tension was between great effort and great um, trust that God builds the house. And that was the place that people, the whole night during the thing, people kept talking about that place of legacy of trust and what God would do that every situation, he always said, God had a way out, God had a way out. And if you know anything about building in Boston, it's not a, it's not a friendly city to build in. So the idea that he built a church of this size and made such an impact in the city, there were police officers there. Um, And then this is what's even more powerful, because I'm telling you, the mayor was there, police officers were there, pastors from all over New England, but he was also a man that stood between the tensions of love and truth. And that's very significant and powerful for a preacher in this day, especially in the city of Boston, which is the hub of humanism in the entire universe. Um, The idea that he would be a man of truth, he was not deterred by progressive politics by anything he preached the word of God undaunted in the city and even we talked to a couple pastors and they said it's so amazing because their work um, they're having a hard time navigating that tension and he so boldly stood in the fear of the Lord and always preached out of that place of the fear of the Lord and this is a legacy that he has left us here in New England when his um wife and his daughters and grandson got up to speak. This is the piece that I was telling Sean was so, it's, it's so impactful because he had prepared the legacy though they talked of the struggle like his, his daughter said there's a, um, she said there's a place for, um, yeah, I'm getting there. Just give me a second. There's a place for pain and grieving and joy at the same time. And it was a beautiful way that she brought the tensions after. And this is amazing because the whole message was orchestrated. Everybody together kept repeating and bouncing off. And nobody had talked to each other. And so she began to talk about this, this place that, that he, her father had talked to her about. And he had showed her pictures with, with paintings with light and dark. And he said, it's the mixture of the light and dark that create the beauty of God. And there's a place for pain and there's a place for beauty and joy in the spirit. And they don't contradict one another. That God is, is the God of both of those. Um, which is an amazing message when your father has just tragically passed away unexpectedly. Um, So you saw this place of deep, deep trust in the legacy. And his grandson, the same thing. His 16-year-old grandson got up and began to talk about his grandfather and and what he had done in his life and how he was going to fear the Lord because of what his grandfather had taught him. And then his wife gets up. I'm praying that I can be half the woman that Pastor Mitch is because she gets up and delivers a leader cry to the body and says, we will go on and we will not, we, we will not um, scatter. <laughs> Thank you. We're not going to scatter, but we're going to go and we're going to um, we're going to do everything that Roberto wanted that was in his heart. And she was talking about how God, their last, some of their last intimate conversations had had come to a place where they every he would say, "I think God's saying this," and she's like, "That's exactly what I felt." And then it would go back and forth, and so it was so interesting because before God took Roberto, he had gotten him and his wife on such a place of unity that she was able to to stand in that now and say, "We're going to lead and we're going to walk together as a team and we're going to go forward with all the dreams that are in our heart. So those were powerful demonstrations of the Spirit. They're powerful demonstrations of people that are identified with Christ that recognize that there's a place of grief and suffering, but in that, it's a place of worship, recognizing that this man had built a legacy for the kingdom that is not going to pass away. And it was it's, it's stunning when you're in it because you, you see the, the tensions even in our daily lives of the the natural and the supernatural. And so when you can see people in such a place of pain, be able to rise up into the supernatural and see the kingdom above that, giving themselves space to grieve but yet saying, we're going to be undaunted in this place of worship. And even when we started, the pastor got up and he said, we are going to worship. And he kept looking at. he said, I mean worship. I want us all to worship the Lord. This is what Pastor Miranda would want us to worship. And the whole church went into a, a chorus of praise, intense praise before the Father. This is the way the kingdom dies and lives, in a place of worship This is the legacy that Pastor Miranda has left us and we wanted to share that with you but even more importantly I want to share because there is a new day that is upon us and his passing, the Lord taking him at this time in New England is a significant prophetic act of what God's getting ready to do and and doing even in our midst. We're sensing it, we're seeing it in our own body but I want to start because this is the passing of the mantle and I want to go to Joshua and it says, now it came... After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, so this is where we are. Pastor Miranda was a Moses in the land for sure. And he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel, every place on which the sole of your foot treads. I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates of all the land, the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I want to say something before I go on, because when I'm talking about this is what the Lord is saying to Joshua, and I want you to know that God has called a Joshua generation, and what came out in the message that night was that Pastor Miranda's mantle had fallen, and it had split into a million pieces and God was allowing people to grab and pick up that mantle. That is the Joshua in this generation. So what is being spoken, it's being spoken to each one of you. It's not to a special man or a special woman that's out there. It is a generation of people that God is passing the mantle of leadership to in this hour. He is passing the kingdom legacy of being supernatural people that are focused on the kingdom, that aren't, that aren't deterred by the strappings of this world, but are living um, single-focused on the kingdom itself. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. And I want to say what an example that Dr. Miranda had in God being with him and the legacy that he's left. It speaks to us of the faithfulness of God in our lives to see a father of New England build what he's built, to influence like he's influenced, and to be the man that he was. It speaks to us as a people And God is asking us to continue that legacy of humility before him. To walk in those steps, to walk in that place of faith, believing that God was big enough to change Boston, that God is big enough to change New England. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So there's promises that have been spoken over the land of New England, and we have stood and we've tilled ourselves, we've labored, but it is a time and a moment that there is a soberness that needs to come upon the body of Christ in New England to rise up and to take on this mantle. God is asking us to. And I've been, I was stunned. I want to read from this because this is the kind of thing that I want to talk about. Um, I found this book last week. <laughs> it's, um, it was written in 1913. It's called The Victory of the Cross. And it's chapters from the history of the early church. And so we saw a stunning example of kingdom people like I said at the, at the funeral, to just see, knowing that they had a time of grief coming, but being willing to stand in that place and call the people together to say we're going forward. We're going forward, we're having our 40 year, we're continuing to stand and carry out the legacy that's before us. Um, but prior to, to all of that, I have been wrecked by this for the past week going into the, into the funeral. So the funeral was just a cherry on top. But in, in this book, it has a chapter in it. It's called Boy Martyrs. And the scripture is from John 2:14. It says, I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Um, and so I just want to read a, a quick excerpt of this. It says, if the fearless martyrdom of so many Christians, because it, there was many w- men and women that had died in the chapter before by Diocletian. <laughs> it says, if the fearless martyrdom of so many Christian men and women in the first 300 years of Christianity challenges our admiration, what shall we save the constancy of those Christian boys who suffered rather than denied their Savior? Symphoranus was the name of this boy. His parents were well-to-do and belonged to the higher ranks of society. His pious mother, at an early age, instructed the boy in the truths of the gospel. Symphoranus refused to give divine honors to an idol at a heathen festival, and when this became known, he was dragged by an infuriated mob before the pagan judge questioned as to his name and condition. He answered quietly, Symphoranus is my name, and I am a Christian. You are a Christian, are you? replied the judge. You lay claim to this title concerns me little, but why do you refuse to worship our gods? I have told you, said the boy, undaunted. This is a 15-year-old boy, that I am a Christian. I worship the true God who dwells in heaven and who rules all things. But I not only refuse to give honor to your idol, but I am willing to break his image with a hammer if you set him before me. Right? Come on. He was whipped unmercifully and taken to prison. Soon he was given another trial, and all sorts of inducements were held out to him. If he would renounce Christianity, he was promised a high position in the imperial palace. Otherwise, tortures and death were to be the reward of what the judge was pleased to call his stubbornness. Neither threats nor promises had the least effect on the youthful confessor. Sentence of death was pronounced upon him, and he was led away to be executed." This is the most powerful part. When he was on his way to the palace of execution, his mother, standing on the wall of the city, gave him a parting admonition. She said, my son, oh my son, my Semperinus, remember the living God. Be strong, my boy, and remain constant to the end. Um, I've been wrecked by this, I'm sorry. But listen, this is a woman that was not walking in the soul. This is where God is calling us to. What we saw at Dr. Miranda's funeral, what we see in the history of the church, 15-year-old boys and his mother yelling to him, saying, hold fast, hold fast, because they knew that they were not of this world. And it's a time and place that we need to begin to recognize that we are not people of the soul, that there is another kingdom that is more real than this kingdom that we are a part of. And God wants us to live as a people of that kingdom and not this one. That is the legacy that's set before us. That is what the Joshua generation is called to do, is to live in the supernatural, to, to, to lay aside every sin and, and wicked thing that besets us. All the soulish things, every day we wake up and we're, we're weighted down by the weights of sin, by the anxieties of the world, by the chaos that's out there. And we do not walk as a victorious people that can yell to our son that's being dragged to his execution and saying, hold fast, hold fast, stay faithful to the end because the king is worthy. The king is worthy of that kind of praise. And God is calling us to be a people like that. That is what this hour is about. There is a prophetic transitioning that is happening, and it is almost as if a veil is there, and God is saying, if you'll just step through, if you'll just step through, if you'll just come through this veil, I will pour out my spirit. There is a promise that comes with the identity of being a Christ follower. When we receive Jesus as Lord, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you are submitted to his Lordship, if you are submitted to his word and his ways and you believe in your heart that he raised Jesus from the dead you will be saved and that's salvation gives you an identity into the kingdom of God. You, are, you have become like him. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And you are a son or daughter of the king. And everywhere your foot treads, victory is coming. Whether that victory comes in life or death, it is coming for us. We cannot be a people that is fearful of death. There is a kingdom. And his wife, Mesha got up and she said, he has keys to another house today. Another house is his today. I'm telling you, we need to, we need to grab a hold of this and embrace it in our hearts and come to another day, another day of commitment and renewal. Another place of stepping into the fullness of our salvation, shaking off the soulish things of our lives and being single-focused on the kingdom, single-focused on what he's about. Ah, Jesus. In um, John, this, this scripture was quoted that night. It says, the, the hour, um, John twelve twenty four. it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls, remains by itself alone wait, hold on. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. And so we see that a seed has fallen into the ground and much fruit is coming, but will we be a part of that fruit? Will we not love our our lives so much God is asking us to give ourselves away to be a people that think differently, that walk in the ways of the kingdom, a people that love ferociously but it's, it's, it's a supernatural thing. It brings us into a, a, a new place in the kingdom. And the things that we saw today are just small, small drips of heaven. If we will walk in the true identity of our salvation as sons and daughters of God, we will see things that Jesus didn't even see when he was on earth. Greater things he said are coming. Greater things will you do. Jesus told us that. He said, these things that I've done are cool, but greater things you're going to do. But how do we do greater things? Not by fearing death. Not by being afraid for our kids. Not by not walking as supernatural people that trust in the living God with everything inside of us. That is the place, that, that place of, of fully coming before him. And I can't tell you how many times I'm, I'm always having to wash myself. I find, um, I find almost a tension between Christian language and reality and a total abandonment to the kingdom. And there's so many times that I'm struggling and and I find the church around me it's you know oh well I'm going to pray for you and and they say things with well intention but The problem with well intentions is not. The truth is, is wake up, Stephanie. Pull yourself up. Get out of the soul and begin to walk in the spirit. And there's times that I have to shake all of that off and go into my prayer closet and shake everything away and say, God, I'm bringing this right here. This chaos right here to you and you alone because you are the one with the answer. You're the only one that has the answer. And I have to begin to shake off the well-intentioned encouragements and different things. And we need to learn to not encourage people in the soul, but begin to call them up into the spirit and say, come out, come out of that dry bones, live. There's a power in the kingdom. It's a power that's mighty and able to save, deliver, set free. The freedom in Christ is real, but we have got to come and be a people that are so committed to our salvation and our identity and who He is that we begin to walk as those people. That we believe what He said to Joshua that every place your foot treads is yours. There's no one that's going to come against you. Do you believe that today? Allow the spirit to convict your heart and convince you one time again. I'm always going for the Lord saying, God, God, I put this before you because you are the one. And then you know what I do? I've told you this before. I begin to dance and sing over my problems. I literally begin to dance and sing and say, God, you're the one that's worthy. You're the one that's able. I worship you because you are a mighty God. And I am your daughter. I'm your girl. You're going to take care of me. You're going to take care of this problem. Victory's coming. I know it's coming. But we have to convince our hearts of it. We gotta walk. We gotta rise up into a new level. We have to rise up into a new level. There's a there's a a war coming on us, and we've got to be a people that are soldiers of the cross, that are willing to lay down our life and not be deterred. The next scripture I want to read is out of Corinthians. It says, For we know if The earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down. We have a building from God, a house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Come on, do we believe that today? Do we believe? For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. How many of you here today are groaning and longing to be clothed with heaven? Are we groaning for that? Are we longing to be there with him? Or do we love this life so much that we'd do anything to hang on to it? These are questions we've got to ask ourselves because the season that we're coming into, God is asking us to become soldiers of the cross. A people of the kingdom. A people who have answers when people come to them because they know a living God that can answer from heaven. A people of the presence and the anointing so that when people come, we have a presence and anointing that can bring, we can bring life to their, their problems. Are we just, are we just Christians in name or are we carrying the power of the cross with us? Are we able to look at our son and say, son, go for it. Go for it. Your kingdom home is coming. Stay faithful, son. Stay faithful. This is after she's seen him be whipped unmercifully, it says. He was whipped unmercifully. But there's glory coming. And there's a grace from the kingdom that gives you the power to stand. That is what salvation has promised us in an exchange of our weakness for his strength. And a grace that will come on us in every situation that we have. Everything that looks impossible. Everything that we think there's not an answer for this case. Foster, you need to hear this. He's talking back there. Chris Arsenal. I'm talking to both of you. There is a... There's a God that has an answer for every problem that we have. We need to believe that. We need to shake it off, guys. Shake it off. What is that Taylor Swift song? Shake it off. <laughs> we need to shake off the lies of the enemy. We need to shake off the whisperings of our soulish friends. We need to shake off the, the depression and discouragement in our souls. And say, why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your trust in God. Talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. Say, he's able. He's able and mighty to save. He's brought me this far. He's taking me on. The promises, there weren't empty promises. They were promises filled with hope and life. The harvest is coming, and I'm telling you, Dr. Miranda's seed went into the soil, and there is a harvest that is springing forth in New England even now. Even now, will you pick up the mantle of leadership? Will you walk forward as a Joshua, listening and being obedient to the word of the Lord? All that he's commanded you. It says, don't turn to the right or left. Look at the word. It says, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder the soul and the spirit. That is where your answer is. It's the word of God that will divide the soul from the spirit. We've got to know the word of God. We, we can't look to the right or the left. We can't look to humanism. And what's the... the Oh, I, I looked this up. It was a definition of, of this being soulish. It's living according to my understanding and my senses. Right? My understanding and my senses. Our understanding has to line up with the supernatural. The supernatural doesn't, it doesn't make sense to any of us. Those things that be not are. Right? That's what it says. Faith is believing those, those things that are not are that we stand and we trust the living God. And so this is an hour, it's a prophetic moment in history. God is breathing on the earth, but will you be a people that will carry his presence? Because his eyes are looking to and fro. He's looking at each one of you, saying, will you trust me? Will you be the one to pick up the mantle and walk forward, setting people free? Will you be that person? For indeed, in this house, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put in on, put in on, shall not be found naked. It says we're clothed with righteousness, right? For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed in order that What is mortal may be swallowed up in life. And so God is asking us to come out of our mortality into life. Being a people of the spirit and not the flesh. A people that recognize that he is a man of the spirit. That his spirit has been placed inside of us. Um, That's the next verse. It says, now he who prepared for us this very purpose is God who gave to us the spirit as a pledge. So when Jesus died, he sent his spirit and his spirit comes and dwells inside of us. Each one of you have the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you, mighty and able to do things in your midst. We've got, to, we've got to learn to step past the veil into the supernatural. Heidi Baker said that somebody asked her when she, when she had these encounters with the Lord, they said, how does it happen, Heidi? And she said, it's almost like a veil, and you just step through. It's, it's, it's as thin as the, between this natural and the supernatural. It's, it's, just, it's just a veil there, and God's saying, come after me. Come after me. Go deeper. Go deeper. There's more for you. There's more for you. There's more for you. Cry out from the deep places of your heart with a groaning that says, God, I want more. I want more. I'm not satisfied. I want more. I want to be bold and courageous like you commanded Joshua. I want to pick up the mantle and carry out the call that you have for this nation and this region today. I want to be one of those. I want to be one of those people. And it starts in your home. It starts with your family. It starts with the relationships of the church around you. And I want to give a warning." Warning at this point, I want to tell you, I am telling you, war is upon us. War is upon us. And, and the enemy is not happy. He's not happy with salvations that are happening. He's not happy with the healing that's not happening. And I am warning you to be cautious, that you begin to watch your mouth, watch your heart. Be teachable and humble. Worship team, be teachable and humble. Do not get offended because I'm telling you, the enemy's going to come like a roaring lion and he doesn't come. He comes with lying psycho warfare. Somebody speaks to you and you think they said something totally different than what actually was said. So if you hear anything that you think, I'm so mad and ticked off because they said that, your first thing, I'm telling you right now, your first thing you need to do is say, I need to go back and find out if that's really what was said. I'm telling you, you need to write this down because warfare is coming and that is how it comes. Because the unity of heart and mind in this body is going to cause the glory of God to come down like Chucky's vision. It's not just coming because God wants it to come. It's coming because we've kept our hearts pure before the Lord and walked in unity of the faith. If we allow the enemy to come and cause division amongst one another, where we're grumbling and complaining about one another, grumbling, complaining about leadership, I am telling you, you will thwart the mission of God in this house. God wants you to be a part of it wants you to be a part of it but there is a humility that we've got to walk into and we need to take this this is a sober warning because I've seen it happen over and over and I'm telling you it's all lies like people will say things that I can't believe they said that and they didn't even say that That's what they heard, because the enemy comes to bring division amongst one another. We need to begin to walk in a greater love. The whole early church, this book is filled with people that it says they loved one another. They loved one another. The the pagans were amazed because of their love for one another. Even when they were dying together, being burned and and eaten by animals, their love was being demonstrated, sending just just the, the... Fragrance of heaven out. The glory of God came down. Their their bodies were seed in the soil, and the church grew, and the church grew, and the church grew grew daily. I want to be one of those. Whether it's a martyr in, in body or a martyr in soul, allow the circumcision of your heart that you would die, that you could live again. That is the promise of the cross. That is the promise of salvation is this identity that we've only tapped into such a small part of. But he's calling us higher today. And Dr. Miranda has set the legacy for us in that. And I want to skip forward to verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ controls us having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. He wants us to live for him, for him, him alone. Live for the kingdom, live for for God. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. It is a new day. It is a new day. New things have come. The old is passed away. The shame of the past is passed away. Walk into your identity. Walk into your, I affirm that in you now, walk into your identity of Christ. Being a son or daughter of the king. Walk in that. Check your heart tomorrow morning and say, God, I want to receive this that you're pouring out in this hour. I declare today, I reaffirm at this moment that I trust you. And then halfway through the day when your problems start coming up and everything, stop for a moment and say, Father, I want to reaffirm that I trust you. I want to reaffirm that I'm living for you in this moment right now. We've we've got to stay on it. We've got to stay on our flesh. You've got to stay on it. Stay on it. Because if you don't pay attention, it rises up without you even realizing it. I know. I know. It just, it's insidious. It just comes up. And the next thing you know, you're like, shoot, like I'm walking in the flesh. So that's what I'm saying. You've got to set times and moments. I remember one time Sean preached about set on your, your clock and let an alarm go off like seven times a day, and say, God, I invite you into my life again in this hour, seven times a day. Just keep reminding, reminding your soul, saying, no, no, we're going to trust in the Lord. I invite you, God, to come and be supernatural in my life right now, every moment, every problem. You are a supernatural people. God has amazing things planned for us. So let's, let's take this commission that he sent, let's take this new day, the seed that's been poured out, and let's walk into it. Let's take it on. And Sean's coming up to share.
1: I can be. Just keep going. I just wanted to bring this up. Everyone knows about the Texas school shooting, right? You, you heard this. My phones, I've received calls of people just saying, How could God allow this to happen? Now, I believe it's a tragic event. It's a horrible event. It's, it's inconceivable that all these little kids would die. But I want to just say this. People asking those questions, how can God allow that? They just need to even read John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he sent his son not to condemn the world. It's condemned already. Think about this a second. Why is it that we blame God for what Satan does on this earth? But listen, that is what Steph's been preaching about. It's this idea that we blame all this stuff on God because we're immature. We don't know God. You know, there is only one agent that is able to release heaven on this earth. It's called a Christian. Like where we can literally hear from a supernatural God in prayer and begin to declare and avert and command the enemy away from us. Not a human being can't do that. Without the power and authority and the intimacy with Jesus, a human can't divert the God of this age, the God of the world, the God of the air, Satan. He can't divert his, cash, his casualty, his harm. But as a believer in Christ, we can literally say, no, Satan, in the name of Jesus, move out, away from here. And what I'm hoping you've heard today is that this is like, this has to do with every aspect of life. This isn't about, like, you trying to do some... M- behavior modification you can't do this do you understand that you can't become transformed it takes like literally going before the lord with humility and hunger and those who hunger after the lord the promises they will be filled it's putting yourself in a position for god to change your life For God to change your mindsets that when someone asks you, how could God allow this to happen to all these small children? You say, undoubtedly God has not chosen for this to happen. There is a God of this age that wants to kill, steal, and destroy from you and all your kids. And if you don't have intimacy with God and the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit, to to hear the word and say, in the name of Jesus then you have no hope against the enemy. Your neighbor who is suffering loss has no hope unless you say, let me give you this name of Jesus. It is powerful. It divides asunder things that can't be divided. And that's why I'm saying, folks, there is a spirit of the age, a spirit of the world that is confusing minds and let it not be at the crossing life church let us rise up with these new lungs this new breath of god the written word and be trained and seize this moment turn away from the enemy turn away from everything he has to do with turn away from his mindsets carnal thinking soulish thinking to where heaven becomes our reality and the truth of the scripture, we, we embrace it, embody it. And we become that truth. We walk after that truth to where we can say to our son or our daughter that's being martyred, stand strong, my son. Don't back down. There is a glorious inheritance awaiting for you if you will stand. Think about it. Are you there yet? I mean, you first step's being honest. Are you there or are you still filled with stinking thinking, carnality, soulish, spirit of the world thinking, entitlements, (sighs) self-centeredness? Come on, let's respond to God. I mean, I don't know about you. There's a path laid out before us where we need to step into. And it's you, no one can make that. No one can do that except for you. You're the only one that can choose to follow a path of of obedience and submission to God. Come on, come on, let's just respond, come on. Lift up your voice, invite him in. Say, Lord, do this work in me, do this work in me. You have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. No one could do it for you. It has to come from your heart, a yearning, a groaning that cannot be uttered in even words. It's like, God, I need you. I want to grow. I want to be transformed. Come on, let's do that. Respond to God right now.